Welcome to the Anime Research Group. With so much anime produced each season, many interesting shows just slip through the cracks, and they don't get the fair hearing they deserve. I'm Ian. I'm Denny. I'm Freya. And each week we get together to give one show its chance, watch the first few episodes, and discuss what we thought of it. This week, Tatsuno Co-Productions presents Yatterman Night. A Yatterman Night, or you're in a Yatterman, ran for- January 13th, 2015, until March 31st, 2015, for a total of 12 episodes. It was, as Ian has said, made by Tatsunoko Productions, one of the older anime studios um, regarding shows we've watched so far, who are responsible for such classics as Speed Racer, uh, the Time Bokan franchise, the original Yatterman, or the Gatchaman franchise. Most recently, they've been primarily concerned with making reboots of their older materials, such as Gatchaman, Crowds from around 2011, 12, I think. This evidently uh, a Yataman reboot in 2008. Um, they were very quiet during the 2000s, making only a few shows, but they started making more in the 2010s. Uh, the original Yataman franchise is comprised of a 19, 19, the 1977 original anime, which was in, in turn the second part of the Time Bokan franchise, a 2008 reboot that ran for 60 episodes, and this Yatterman Night, which ran for 12 episodes. There are also several video games based on the production, but there are too many to really go through them, and one live-action film. Yatterman Night serves as the 40th anniversary of the Time Bokan franchise, and fo- uh, focuses on the descendants of the original antagonists of Yatterman, we're essentially following Team Rockins, and there's also lots of references to other Tatsunoka shows hidden in it, that we probably didn't get because neither, none of us have seen Speed Racer. At least I don't think so. Shout out to Susan Sarandon. Yes. <laughs> For her role in the live action Speed Racer. Or was this just... She was in that movie, or this wasn't just a random shout out to Susan Sarandon, right? She was in that. <laughs> okay, good. The show was directed by Tetsuya Yoshihara, and on that note, Freya... I don't have too much to say about Tetsuya Yoshihara, I'm afraid. Um, he's uh, done key animation for a lot of things in recent years. He's a relatively recent upgrade, in quotes, to the role of director on a few things. So other than this, he has directed a, a Monster Musume OVA, um, <laughs> something called Long Riders, which is a, uh, a cycling show, and I thought you might have seen it, but... No. I'm guessing not. Alas. This might be his first solo project as director. Nope, he made a short film in 2013. Never mind. Okay. Most notable at the moment for being the chief director of Black Clover. Ah. That thing that everyone said got better after 90 episodes or whatever, but I don't care. Turned in for episode one, I heard the screaming, and I turned off and never looked back. He was also involved, once again, bringing us back to Seikon no Quasar. Let's never talk about it again. For series composition, we have Kazuyuki Fudiyasu, who has worked on a million things, and most, in fact, uh, nearly all of them are adaptations of existing properties, be they light novels, manga, etc., Adaption is a skill of its own, slightly separate from being a, uh, well, no, it's not really separate from being a good writer. You've got to identify what works in the story and what would work better in a different medium. Yorono Yatman might be his only original project. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much of the story came from him. 
The only other one that's I would say is original is all three seasons of Miss Monochrome, but that's based on a VTuber, so uh, not a VTuber. That's for, uh, based on a virtual idol, so I guess not. I'm not going to list out all the millions of things he's worked on. I'm just going to focus in on is the order a rabbit and interspecies reviewers <laughs> and that, that time I got reincarnated as a slime and the second season of Italia. Goddamn Italia. And also Black Clover. Um, Look, Italia is what we all wanted. No, let's, let's, not, let's not pretend that Italia isn't what we all want in the anime. It's definitely not. I mean, I like seeing Luxembourg being represented. It's only the second anime that's mentioned. No, the third anime that mentioned Luxembourg. Because there is an episode of Gundam Wing, I think, where they have, where have, where they just happen to be in Luxembourg for a little bit. Nice. Or they talk about it. Um, in terms of better stuff, uh, he's done adaptational work on. Uh, Girls Last Tour was good. Oh, yeah, that was very good. Uh, he wrote... The scripts for half of the episodes of Land of the Lustrous. He wasn't the series composer, but still. Um, he wrote 17 episodes of Nana. And uh, Danny, you, nice. liked reco- you liked Recovery of an M- MMO Junkie, right? I did. I did quite enjoy it quite a bit. Yes. I don't think he's a Nazi like the director was, but uh, we, we won't talk about that. Moving on. I'm done. These people are boring. No offense <laughs> to them. No, none taken on their behalf. Tatsuya Yoshihara's uh, directed some good openings, I think. At least interesting ones. I think the most prominent person involved in the show is probably the, our main voice actress, right, Ian? Um... <laughs> I mean, both Eri Kitamura and Kenta Miyake have been in a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, like I, like, I would put Kenta Miyake above her. Above her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So... What did we think? <laughs> I did not hate it. God damn it. Can, can, uh, like, which episode did we not hate? Because, I mean, I guess I didn't hate the first episode. I didn't hate any of them. I would like to have fell asleep during the episode three. But to get to episode three, <laughs> we need to start with episode one. Do we remember what happened in episode number one? We have a little girl called Leopard, for some reason. This is Eri Kitamura, as already mentioned and possibly deleted from the uh, thing, who has been in a lot of trash and some good shows also. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to think she is mostly remembered for being Sayaka in Madoka, but realistically, probably Karen from Bakamonogatari, (laughs) or, I don't know, one of the protagonists from... Angel Beats or Chaos Head or Kodamono Jikan or whatever. I actually feel like uh, Madoka probably has the biggest mass appeal out of all of these shows. Yeah. So she might, you might actually be right. I I have a feeling that no, it's still well, hard. Most, most people would recognize her as uh, Pinky from MHA, I think. We get a young girl and her mother, Dorothy, and no father figure in her life. Because it's anime, of course. But she does live with two other uh, grown men who, I don't even want to say their names, Volt Katze and Elephantis. Fantastic names. 
all of these people are descendants of the villains from a different season of Yatterman. The villains have clearly been defeated, and now they are forced to live as exiles in poverty. We should probably mention that there's been an apocalypse and Yatterman now rules the world at her kingdom, and which the villains are not allowed to enter. So she's growing up, she's got she's getting pats on the head and being told to be a good girl and learning about the stupid stuff her ancestors did. But one day the cough that the mother has been developing turns sour. <sighs> to save her, the little girl and the two men she lives with have to go and get help from the Yatter Kingdom. But they can't get into the Yatter Kingdom and they get attacked. And then this is where our, I hesitate to use the word heroes, uh, decide that, wait a minute, these Yatterman are actually massive dicks and we need to get our revenge on them by flicking them on the forehead. So I think what I took away from the episode is, what if Yatterman was the bad guy? Which was a thing that was going around in the mid-2010s to late-2010s. Certainly, certainly. What if Yatterman won and then became a fascist regime over however many years it's been? Never happened in the history of superheroes. Never. <laughs> um, yeah, the episode itself was, I thought, fairly well made. Uh, there was a lot of, I mean, it was a, it was a fairly standard set of episodes with obvious beats and uh, moments, but I think it worked for what it was trying to do. And yeah, I, think we can all agree- I think we can all agree that the pig is the best character. Except me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's still two versus one. So I may not have mentioned Lord Oda, the pig, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, voiced by uh, Chiaki Takahashi. Uh, and... I mean, it's sometimes that I hate mascot characters. This was not one of those times. But more because they actually kept doing shit when the rest of the people were not doing so much stuff. Chiaki Takashi, also in Chaos Head as another one of the girls. <laughs> just to just to tie that in there. One thing that I actually quite liked is we, while we haven't seen the inside of the Yatter Kingdom, we assume it's much more well put together, whereas all of our protagonists and uh, other, the other people, the people we see, they live in samurai-style old huts with very limited technology. Oh, no, no, no. We have seen inside the Yatter Kingdom, just not the, not the metropolis or whatever where they all live. When did we do that? The stuff in episodes two and three is still inside the wall. I guess mm-hmm. that's true, but we haven't seen how the populace lives there. That's what I mean. Yes, we have. We've seen two people who are members of the populace. Actually, we've seen more than that. There were a bunch of people who were like in their houses and going, oh no, you can't come in. So moving on to episode two, I guess the thing we didn't mention is that they decide to reforge the Doron Bow gang yes. with uh, Voltcats and Elephantis and Leopard taking on the names of their ancestors, uh, Duranjo, Boyaki, and Tanzra, respectively. Or not in that order. I forgot what order I said them in. Yeah, with the, with the logic being that if the Yatterman are assholes, um, that must mean our ancestors who were fighting against them were actually the good guys. So we should revive the spirit of those people and fight against the Yatterman. It's, we're following the ancestors of the villains, 
but they're still heroes just appropriating the villainous imagery and symbolry that uh, was used uh, by them, uh, by their ancestors. Your word of the day for Danny and people at home is semiotics, <laughs> the study of symbols. Yes. I really did not like uh, Elephantus or Volcate. They were both pretty annoying. They're extraordinarily one-dimensional. Uh, yes. They were mostly co- a comic relief, and they, they, they were pretty grating as comic relief, as was the pig to me, anyway. I liked exactly one joke they did, and that was when he was hammering. Yeah, it was funny. So their point of episode two is, at least initially, they've got to break in uh, to the Yatra Kingdom through a train tunnel, and then flick Yatterman on the forehead. It's, it's not the most complex of plans. Yes. So they make their way through the tunnel, and suddenly Yatter soldiers, and then the Final Fantasy battle music runs, and then we uh, decide to waste all our Phoenix Downs on Leopard. Uh, but they, in order to fight these Yatter soldiers, uh, Volt Katze, uh, who is the the descendant of uh, Waluigi lookalike Boyaki. Mm. He's like the engineer of the group. He has constructed a head-flicking robot, which was pretty good. Both yeah. thumbs up from me on that one. Uh, and yeah, they have like a sort of a showdown. These Yatter soldiers are robots. The army shows up, they destroy the mech. Some of them get flicked on the head, and then they run the fuck away. They don't run. They cycle away. And, like, that's only about half of the episode, and... The second, the first half is all the fighting with uh, the reveal that the two Yattermen we saw in episode one that were preventing them from entering the Yatter kingdom are actually robots, and there's now a mass of Yatter robos. The second episode is all about running away from them. They, they, they take shelter, they sort of recover, and then a blind girl shows up. Uh, who is going to be an important character, I guess. And that's kind of where we leave off for episode two. Episode two wasn't nearly as well put together as the first episode, I think. It was a solid half an episode. Yes, the first half was pretty good because it had... It had the basic premise of let's get to Yatter Kingdom. I did not like that stuff underground. It was boring. I was going to enjoy the uh, Team Rocket hijinks, but I didn't. I think it's because I find Volcadzi and Elephantus irritating. Whereas I found myself indifferent to them. Like, they don't stand <laughs> out particularly to me, but they also don't annoy me massively as, the, as they do you. So I was mostly fine with the antics they got up to. And I am always fine with a sudden mech out of nowhere that no explanation how it was built, when it was built. And it was just buried underground because Voltcats just pulls out the remote, pushes a button, and out it comes. I think, yeah, that's how this sort of a thing works. Like, when do we ever, when did Team Rocket fix their Magikarp uh, submarine? Who cares? I don't, I, I, I don't need a montage for that. I do really like the uh, the use of the Yataman imagery as like a fascist regime. It was, yes, it was very fun. I think that's probably the strongest thing in this entire show, the way that they kind of represent this fascist dystopia. Well, it's not very serious. It's still decent, competently done. 
the characters do f- act like they've been oppressed all their lives. I, I would take the uh, fascism stand-in a lot more seriously if the Yatterman logo, the Y, didn't look like a pair of underpants. Also, if they didn't do silly dance routines. Yes, also, yes, also they're, that. They're equivalent of the uh, Hitler salute is <laughs> the old Yatterman uh, yeah. dance, I guess. <laughs> it, it's like their Jet Set Radio moment. During the escape scenes, um, there are a lot of sh- uh, close-up shots of uh, insects. Yeah, and some other very, invertebrates. Some very surprisingly detailed shots of insects. the The anime also has a tendency during episode one and two to um, go to shots of animals. Like very often, we go to um, uh, like a dove flying, which is probably meant to represent leopard. Uh, when her mother's talking about her, there's all these shots of insects. There's shots of seagulls. The main vehicle of the Yatta robot is actually a giant crane. It's a stork. Uh, sorry, a giant stork uh, where the Yataman just walk out of, out of its mouth. Except for, except for in episode three when they are fired out of the mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Which is much better. Uh, more on that in a second, because we should actually talk about what does or doesn't happen in episode three. Mm. So we get this new girl, Alouette, and her friend, uh, Galina. 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 I mean, like Alouette. Aside from the the silly name, which made us all laugh, um, mm-hmm. is really just like it's it's the sort of gimmick. The gimmick is just she's blind, and then as such, she doesn't. She's interpreting things very differently from everybody else. I also think she's slightly mentally traumatized by something we learn yes. later on in the episode. For instance, I, I don't think um, that most of us would conventionally uh, find uh, Tatsukaze, uh, not Tatsukaze, that's the same wrestling, <laughs> uh, Voltkatsu, Volt to be like conventionally attractive. Um, <laughs> I mean, it depends. In some, I, I, in I, some, in some of the shots, uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like I guess in a few scenes we do get it, but then this sort of becomes a joke. Uh, like I don't want to say this is the most ca- characterization Volt Katze, um <laughs> gets. Uh, incidentally, uh, Volt Katze is uh, portrayed by Hirata Hiroaki. I guess I don't actually really know what he's most famous for these days. I guess maybe uh, Rackham in Grand Blue. In Japan, he's famous for being Johnny the Depp. Johnny the Depp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp's uh, regular dubbing person. Uh, I, I, I mean, I was thinking mostly just like anime credits. Uh, yes, I know, but they're not interesting. So, yeah, like who cares who voiced Godot in Ace Attorney? Or I do. Well, there you go. But yeah, but but his television dubbing career. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because he does like Ewan McGregor and Edward Norton and Matt LeBlanc. Uh, <laughs> he gets to be a bit of the like, yeah, I'm cool uh, for this episode, uh, which is more than can be said for um, Elephantis. Uh, of course, uh, Kenta Miyake, who was Sume in Wolfstrain when we did that, Mohammed Avdol in Judges Bar Adventure, and All Might in MHA. And lots of other stuff too. I'm not actually sure I agree with that uh, regarding Voltkatze. You say that's the most characterization you get, but I do think there's a lot more regarding his technical ability or his. Uh, I was I was saying I, I was I was saying it by comparison to um, Elephantus. 
I mean, certainly, Elephantus gets no characterization B besides that he's big and strong and he can punch things. Like his gimmick, his gimmick appears more often. Like I guess their gimmicks appear the same amount. Mm. But other than him just pulling out the the inventions out of thin air, it's not like we get like the and I slaved for this over a hot <laughs> fire for ten true. days. I mean, there's not much to either of them outside of their gimmicks and that they're very loyal to uh, Leopard, who we have who we haven't talked about <laughs> at all. Uh, really, really, she's the, she's like the only character. Really. Pretty much, her and I get Galena has an internal conflict. <laughs> Alouette has has interesting characteristics, which I was getting I to guess. before we got sidetracked by Johnny Depp. <laughs> um, so yeah, like they they set up for like the first half of this episode, which for the show, uh, was just <laughs> Galena explaining how my parents and Alouette's parents were killed by the Yatterman, and. You, I can't let you put Alouette in danger and... Uh. So get out. But in the morning, we'll let you stay for the night. Yeah, you get to stay for the night, which is why the Yatter soldiers will con- will confront them there for harboring the dangerous, dangerous criminals. <laughs> the day after, are... after they've left. <laughs> yes. To be fair, Galina did actually lie to the Yatter robots and harbored them for, for an evening, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just because he was accused of something doesn't mean he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have a fight, which is notable mostly for the Yatterman being spat out of the stork's mouth, and then them all like landing in the in the ground in like a big line. It's mm. great. Also, shout out to the one Yatter soldier who is in the middle uh, and is half white soldier and half pink soldier. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, captain or whatever. Yeah, um, but it's just, well, we're going to use our mech to escape. It's a pretty cool escape. Um, it sort of transforms from like a stick of dynamite into a helicopter. Yeah, it was a stick of dynamite and then they like exploded and then the bits flick out and then it's, it's, ha- it's, like, it's like somewhere in the region of hang glider to bicycle propelled helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... They take Alouette and Galena with them because you kind of have to at this point. Yeah, it's it's very much Team Rocket's blasting off. Like literally, the robot explodes out of the dust clouds emerge. This time, our heroes and they're blasting off into the distance. And then the thing falls apart. Yeah, and they all fall to their death and die. I will say I'm disappointed actually that we didn't watch the fourth episode because apparently it's an onsen episode. <laughs> uh, and I love a good onsen episode. Mm-hmm. I actually think I liked episode three a lot more than I did episode two because there was a lot more here in terms of um, story, so to speak. Of we have Alouette, who's both blind and traumatized, so she mistakes uh, the our gang for angels. She keeps referring to them as angels who've come to mm. help her connect with her parents. Uh, we have Galena who's in a conflict of wanting to protect uh, Alouette, but also uh, trying to. Yeah, not get in trouble with the Yatter Kingdom. We have our gang trying to decide what to do. Where is the, as the, are they just going to run away and continue their fight, or are they actually going to help people? And we have the conflict. Also, I really there's one shot in the episode that I actually really like, which is once the house is blown up, when we see the we it's the emerging fr- through the flames shot. They're yeah. all drawn in their outlines in this big red explosion. It looks mm-hmm. cool, I guess. Yeah, nor- normally like this is the sort of thing I would pick out is specific like. Good use of color, bad use of color. <laughs> um, 
And like it was like that one particular instance with the the like the red background with the black lines was pretty good. But a lot of other times it felt like they were just warming the scene or cooling the scene for very limited effect. Like the warmer house scenes that were just fucking orange. Or every time we get the interior shot of the giant robot where it's just all in blue, that does nothing for me. Um, The whole, the show in general takes a very desaturated palette, I'd say, at least certainly for the backgrounds, you know, because it's post-apocalyptic, so everything has to be dreary. Mm. It's it's fine. It works fine. Background-wise, I think we were reasonably happy with um, the work that was done. There There was some really good wood Mm-hmm. There was. On the other hand, there was some really terrible water and some really terrible flames in episode <laughs> yeah. three, uh, specifically when they're inside uh, Alouette's house and they're using the fire to warn themselves. By God, did that fire look terrible! Please stop using CG water in your things if you're not <laughs> going to take the effort to do it properly, <laughs> because it really sticks out to me and it pisses me off. <laughs> not not that anyone who works in anime cares what I think, but. Um, you know, the uh, directing storyboarding was uh, it was fine, did its job. Mm, yeah, there was nothing. Another interesting thing, actually, uh, which I just noticed now looking at the cast credits, is that at the end of episode two, uh, Leopard mistakes Alouette for her mother, and uh, but they're actually voiced by the same actress, uh, Ito Shizuka. Yes. So I'm. I think that must have been a deliberate choice to make Alouette kind of a mother figure to Leopard. Yes, that would be that would be an interesting dynamic, but we're not going to see it. Um, <laughs> I mean, how do you know? So yeah, let, let's let's talk about Leopard. And name aside, uh, what do we think of her, um, Denny? Let's when you start. <laughs> I I, as far as nine year old protagonists go, she. Uh, I wasn't very annoyed by her. She's 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 the usual cute kid at the beginning of the anime with her mother. She reads the children's books. She's all about heroes. It's it's very it's all very kind of safe, which is a weird thing to say. But the child losing her mother, realizing that society, the larger society she's come to idolize, is bad, and thus chooses to rebel against it, is something that we've seen before. And I, I like the I like her the gimmick of her. Um, she has essentially a pipe out of which she blows soap bubbles, which is a nice reference to the original Donjaro, who was always yes. smoking on a pipe. So that I was feel good. of the the we really need to stop comparing it to Team Rocket, but um, of the goofy kids anime villain uh, shtick, I think hers worked the best. Because mm. it's like she was trying to do it, but uh, not quite doing it right, and she's like a kid so she sucks yeah and this is why like the fact that like she doesn't she completely misunderstands her heritage right (laughs) in an adult japan uh this is kind of sad and disappointing in a child it's amusing i wonder what things in modern japanese culture i could be thinking of (laughs) (laughs) i wonder I do like the dynamic of you have the the old the people who descended from the villains and they can't think of anything better to do to resist the like fascist regime other than to just act like their ancestors. Mm-hmm. It's fun, but uh, again, I I didn't like three quarters of the main uh, group, so <laughs> didn't work that well for me. 
And I'm not sure how I feel about Alouette and uh, Galena. Galena's okay. He's the only per- <laughs> he's the only other person with like a conflict. Said, and Alouette is like, I I don't want to use this phrase, but like she's kind of set dressing, <laughs> uh, more than a character. In I yeah. guess in the same way that uh, the Elephantis and Voltskatza are. Yeah, although in her case, she's like exists to be a conflict point for one of the other characters and it wasn't too bad but some of the some of the framing of her was a bit leery although to be fair we got a lot more male nudity in this anime than we did yeah but it was mostly played as a joke there was way too much nudity like 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 i pointed this out it was in episode three it was the eighth minute before they decided to get on clothing (laughs) yes yes Uh, um I can't speak for the rest of you, but as as a human being, it takes me less time than that to decide to put on clothing in the morning. Just saying. I mean, playing devil's advocate here, I assume it's just because their clothes weren't dry yet, but still. <laughs> Structurally, uh, episode one was like a fine episode one. You know, you introduce the main characters and why they're going to be doing the thing the rest, they're going to be doing the rest mm-hmm. of the show. Episode 2 was you introduced the main villains more but it was kind of uh, split in half and the second half, as we said, wasn't very engaging and then episode 3 was a very slow introduction to our other main character. Normally I like slow things, this was I don't know, there wasn't enough there wasn't enough meat. <laughs> I'm really struggling with the the uh, Yatter Puppy Patrol robots. I I feel like this anime would work better. I don't want to say like a psychological version, but like where there's just the descendants of the Yatter Man uh, appearing in stupid fights uh, and like always getting away. I think uh, it would be better if they were like if they were still like human soldiers and not robots. But it's just that I feel, I feel like for something like this, it needs to be like uh, we don't need to go as far as like the L and light dynamic, <laughs> but something closer to that yeah, than, yeah. than what we had. Where, where it's like they're because right now it's the faceless uh, system. And if we had human characters, as you've said, we would have something more to identify that the Yatterman with. I mean, I think it better if they're faceless. I just wish they were humans and not robots because I think it would fit the theming better. Just the scene of the, where the nine-year-old realizes she's been killing people. <laughs> like, there's definitely yeah. a, a good. There's definitely is like our good stories where you realize that it's time to smash the system and the police are the enemies. I don't think this was it. No. No. <laughs> uh, how about the sound? Um, Due to technical difficulties, I couldn't even pay any attention to, to the outro for this. Mm. Um, like, well, maybe maybe just talk very quickly about the opening before we talk about anything else. Yep, it's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. I dare. Uh, I wasn't. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, my main thing with the sound is is the soundtrack. Um, I noticed at several points during the during each episode, at least, I noticed at least one moment where I was like. Man, I, I really like the piece they're playing in the background to this. And 
even though I'm unlikely, I'm not going to, even though I'm not going to continue watching this, I, I'll probably actually look up the soundtracks of this and listen to some of the pieces because I really liked them. They didn't necessarily fit the anime. I, but, I, have, I have like the exact opposite opinion. I think okay. it fit the show really well, but I didn't particularly like it. In terms of like the like overall like music and sound design, I, I wasn't. There was nothing that was really sticking out to me other than the one instance of the Pokeball opening. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but if I'm not really noticing it, then it means it's fine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of comic sound effects they used, which is fine because this is partially still a comedy. So there was lots of, there was some very slapstick effects. There was one moment where the, the pig, which can talk it okay, which seems to be able to talk it and talk. likes likes climbing trees. Uh, at one point it fell down a tree and it did like essentially the coyote from Looney Tunes where it looks down, looks back up, says a few lines, then falls. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, that, that was very Looney Tunes. The director, writer and the music composer all worked on Camphor. <laughs> God damn it, Camphor. Trivia. Camphor is a show that I have seen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about it. That's probably the most that, des- that deserves to be said about it. Denny, how many forehead flicks do you give this out of five? Uh, I think I'd, uh, I'd give this a three because I actually quite enjoyed myself during it. it. It was fairly standard during a lot of it, but I had some fun. It's It's the kind of stupid shenanigans I enjoy watching. And I think shenanigans is the right word to describe this conflict. Uh, a lot of times, kind of ignoring the whole dystopian thing. Maybe that'll get more interesting later on. I'm not really sure, but I I like I like the stupid I like the stupid mechs they've got. I really like the soundtrack. The characters weren't uh, like offensive or annoying in any way, so I I actually think this is a decent enough show. How about you, Ian? I realized actually when I said the forehead flick thing that that, that was actually the wrong thing because for, because surely it should be more for flat forehead flicks than more negative it is. Um, yes. So, <laughs> but uh, in sticking with existing gimmicks, I will give it two decopine, leaning more to like the lower end, but uh, I. Um, there is no way that you get higher than a two if I stop paying attention halfway through. Yeah. Um, and that definitely happened. End of season. Uh, end of. <laughs> end of episode two. Start of episode three. That that I I. That's a blur. Maybe on a more negative day, I would give it one and a half. But I laughed enough that I will just call it two decopine. How about you, Freya? Well, I can't really say I liked it more than Stelvia, which I gave it two. But I, uh, when I think about them in my head, there are more things I liked about it than, uh, than Stelvia. And I do like the idea of having the setup of having the goofy cartoon uh, anime villains fighting the heroes turned fascist regime. But I wasn't... I already said I didn't really like the main characters enough in uh, episodes two and three were kind of uh, structurally a mess, so I'll give it two decopine. Mm-hmm. So that's so after several weeks of mostly disapp- disappointing anime, Freya, what will we be watching next week? Let's find out. D twenty five.
That was not a drum roll. I mean, it, I mean, Rose of Versailles was the last thing that we gave a three or higher. Yeah. No, no, no. We, Daddy and I rated uh, Wolf's Rain okay. Uh, we just didn't talk about it. That episode does not exist, by the way. People oh, shit. I, ro- I rolled 18. That means next week we're watching Thunderbolt Fantasy. I'm actually excited for that. Tem- don't think about excitement. It will ruin everything. Ah, You can't stop me. I can't. Ah, so next week, look forward to Gen Robochi's Robochi's Puppet Fantasy. Goodbye. Hail Satan. <laughs>